Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Our business is public relations, coaching, and strategy. If you are in the market for communication road mapping, media relations, social and digital branding, coaching and event preparation, or any other services that you think we can be of value, please reach out at www.provisionadvisors.net. Hey, hello, and welcome to another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. This is our Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis post-game report. I am John Schofield, the host. Ward Carroll is the co-host, our special guest. Every week is Bill Wagner, the Capital Gazette newspaper, and Chris Cervello is our producer. What game are we talking about? The one last night uh, ended not the way that we wanted. Uh, Memphis uh, coming out on top 35-17. to 17. This drops. Navy to one and five, one and three in the conference. Memphis turns around a three-game losing streak. They are now four and three, one and two in the conference. So, you know, I'll start it off here uh, before we get the other takes. If you would have told me um, at the end of the day that Seth Hennigan would have only thrown for 215 yards, that we didn't have a single turnover, I would have thought that things would would have been pretty darn good. Um, I, I did not think that they played a terribly bad game. Um, Isaac Ruas had a good a good game on the ground, 75 yards on 18 carries. Uh, Carlinos AC with 54 yards on seven carries. Um, altogether, a little under 200 yards rushing. Uh, Ty Lavatai throwing for a touchdown. Uh, but in the end, not enough. Uh, hanging in very, very close at the beginning. Um, you know, sticking around until the second half. And then the, the, the backbreaker, um, you know, was the, was the Weaver run uh, toward the end, which kind of put it out of reach. But really it was the 74-yard touchdown pass from Hedigan to Eddie Lewis there in the middle of the second quarter. Um, a three-yard run right before halftime uh, that, that made the uh, deficit 28-10. to 10. And in the end, it, it just wasn't enough. Um, Ty Lavatai had to come out. Um, the offense tried, but couldn't really string anything together. And, and that's how you end up 35 to 17 against a really high powered offense. Again, Memphis scores over 30 points. Um, but you know, we, we just weren't able to, uh, get this, get this done. And now at one and five with really, really tough games on the horizon, um, this is a look in the mirror moment for this team. Wags, what are your thoughts? Well, first and foremost, the story of the Navy-Memphis game was the defense giving up big plays, and it was really disappointing because the Navy defense has been somewhat of a bright spot uh, for most of this season. You take away the Marshall game, and I think the Navy defense has done everything it can to keep Navy in games and give the offense a chance to win. And so the, the performance in the first half against Memphis was incredibly disappointing. And it, it started on the very first play of the game, a long pass down the middle, and immediately Memphis is in scoring position. And it, that just, it was five total big plays that led directly to touchdowns. I mean, Calvin Austin on a reverse, and I mean, no one laid a glove on him. 
I mean, an another pass in which the uh, receiver got behind the defense. And, and this is what Coach Newberry talks about all the time. We, we got to keep the ball in front of us. We can't let teams throw it over our head. And yet that's exactly what happened. And Navy, for the record, did not play as much of the three-high safety look as it has been in recent years. And that's largely because – I mean, recent games, I apologize. That's largely because Kevin Brennan, starting free safety Kevin Brennan, was out. He had a shoulder injury. His, he had his arm in a sling. And Navy was back there with a bunch of really young, inexperienced safeties without a veteran leader like Kevin Brennan to – kind of keep things organized and and run the show. And what happened, I saw several times the safeties the Memphis runs RPO, run pass option. And Seth Hennigan, the quarterback, was leaving the ball in the stomach of the full the the tailback longer than usual to really freeze those safeties. It was effective. But a more veteran safety does not get caught flat-footed, even in that situation. And that's what happened. The two, the two deep safeties got caught flat-footed, and receivers ran right past them. So now the defense improved in the second half, only gave up a touchdown, but by then the game was out of hand. And then, then you look at the offense. The, that first drive was a thing of beauty. That was a classic Navy drive. It was the longest drive in terms of plays since that epic – 2004 Emerald Bowl drive, if you all remember that, in the Emerald Bowl out in San Francisco when Navy had that epic drive. Well, this this was the longest drive by place and set. So you're, you're encouraged. You're like, okay, they're back tied 7-7. If Navy can keep mounting drives that eat up almost an entire quarter, th this could be a ball game because you're keeping that explosive Memphis offense off the field. Well, and this is the story of the season, really. The offense could not maintain it. And that's been the deal all season. They show flashes of being Navy and being able to execute the triple option. And then we have series where they get nothing done. It's just no consistency, guys. And uh, really, I'm about to write my follow-up column that I always do. And to me, the season is just not a complete team. Not a complete team on offense, not a complete team on defense, and therefore unable to put together a complete game. And it's just disappointing. I mean, there's flashes. We see flashes in which the defense gets the job done. We see flashes in which the offense gets the job done, but you, they do not do it consistently over the course of an entire football game. And that's how you end up 1-5 overall, 1-3 in the American Athletic Conference. Ward? So just to pony on what Wags summarized is we can't win if our offense doesn't gain 3.3 yards per carry and the defense doesn't cause the opposition to give it up with three and out. We, we just, the calculus doesn't work. And as coach himself said, after the SMU game, we've got to stop the quick scores and that mostly points to special teams. So absent that we have no path to win. We, we just absolutely don't. Um, so, um, you know, the, the way forward is problematic. And I, I, you know, just thinking about what you said, Chris, in terms of beat army and go on the next season, that 
looking at the back cover of the media guide, like we did on day one when we were at media day, this is a tough schedule, right? I mean, maybe ECU, maybe Tulsa, maybe Temple, but everything else, you know, Cincinnati's ranked number three right now. That's our next home game. They have a Heisman candidate in the mix. Um, you know, Army is ascendant in terms of their running of the triple option. So this is a tough road to hoe going forward. And what we're seeing with respect to the basics is, is not happening. So um, while we always want to kind of be upbeat and, you know, sort of err on the side of being pro-Navy, it's kind of hard at this point after, after last, last night's performance. And you add to that, you know, Ty's always on the verge of being hurt. Diego's always on the verge of being hurt. And now Kevin Brennan's always on the verge of being hurt. So the, those three key positions, if we're going to have any chance, are uh, at risk at any given moment. So th this just isn't a good picture. Chris, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I agree with, uh, with what you said thus far. I mean, you and Wags both talked on the pregame about, I mean, that, you, you know, this was going to really hang on, on how well we were able to run the triple option. Uh, 21 plays on our opening drive. I, I was encouraged. What seemed like a pick six by Diego Fago and called back on a stupid penalty um, was heartbreaking. Um, the, you know, the idiot call on uh, – clipping or whatever because you know our guy fell down i don't even remember who it was i apologize i don't have the sheet in front of me but you know that that seemed like a ridiculous call and and i mean you know the the momentum in the air was sucked right out of us i i felt like and then i just felt you know we we weren't in the game after that and, and i know that good teams win no matter what but I, I do think that Memphis was the better team last night um i i applaud our, our guys for playing hard um, and I think you're right. I think it is a look in the mirror moment. And, and as a as a fan, I, I worry that, you know, that look in the mirror moment turns to next year pretty quickly. Right. I mean, I, I know that they're going to come out every week and play hard and give their best. I'm not I'm not trying to say that, but I think that now maybe the goals for this team change. Right. I think the only goal that is still available to them is to is to beat Army. Um, I, I think if they play the way that they have played at times, if they run drives like they ran on that opening drive, I, I think beating Army is a possibility. If uh, if they play defense like they've played at times during the season, I think beating Army is a possibility. Um, but I really think like the more realistic view for the next couple of games is, is to get Ty the reps that he needs to make him a better option quarterback. Um, to get younger guys uh, opportunities to play and to really start thinking, okay, beat Army and then be ready for next year. So it, it's it's a transition point for me as a fan and somebody that follows this team. And then you start thinking about it, and I'll say it, you start thinking about who and what part of this coaching staff is back ne next year. Um, you, you know, we, we saw – some con um, some decision making early in the season, and I, I don't think it's too early to start thinking about like who will be back and what type of uh, what type of staff we'll see next year. So I know there are people that'll listen to this, and that won't be popular, but I, that's kind of where my mind is. You know, at eight o'clock in the morning after what I thought was a, a tough loss. Yeah, and like we talked about, it doesn't get easier. You've got a top three team. Uh, in Cincinnati uh, that will come calling next Saturday. 
with the very odd and and non-traditional noon start uh so early start for for all of you tailgate planners and then a tough little roadie out to tulsa and then you know the trip to notre dame um so you know you, you don't it, you're really only taking care of the alligator closest to the boat so you know hey lick your wounds get up off the deck get ready for, you know, a Cincinnati team that's going to come in. And this provides you an excellent opportunity to make another splash this season. Um, you know, it's what better way to turn lemons into lemonade than to shock the world and, and ruin Cincinnati's hopes of, of being in the college football playoff. Um, that's the challenge you have in front of you next. And, and I know that this coaching staff, and and they they're thinking the same things that that you just said, Chris. I mean, they they know that this is a business. They know that you know results are are you know are on display right there in the standings. And if you're at the bottom of the standings and you're a coach, you have to think that you know you've you're you've got to be on guard that you could lose your job because of this. And I'm not calling for people to lose their jobs. I just know that everyone from the players to the coaching staff to Chet sees this as a reflection of them and the way that the physical mission has, has been imbued upon all of these guys. I know that they will turn around and say, all right, what loss that was yesterday. Life is in front of us. And the next challenge we have is Cincinnati. So let's see how they, uh, how they um, come back from that. Before John takes us out, um, is it unfair for me as a fan to start thinking about, you know, who and what comes back next year from a, a coaching and scheme standpoint? Are we to that point yet? Or uh, um, should we hold those thoughts until we, you know, the season's over? Well, I'll start in on that before Ward does. I mean, I'll, they're already playing a ton of young players, Chris. I mean, there's sophomores galore out, out on the field on defense. Ty Lavatai, the quarterback's a sophomore. Um, you know, I don't know. There's really no other fullbacks in, in the moment, and that that's that leads to another question: is you know where has you know, I know what on our Believe in Navy Football podcast, Keenan Reynolds said that the players are bigger, stronger, faster than they've ever been before. That that's what he was told by the Navy strength and conditioning coach. However, being bigger, stronger, faster doesn't necessarily always equal more talented. So the question is: Are we getting enough talent in here? Because it seems on the surface that Air Force and Army are out recruiting Navy, especially at the quarterback position. I know that. I mean, I see the Army and Air Force quarterbacks. They're pretty darn good. And this offense requires a good quarterback. You've got to have a dynamic quarterback. And I'm not criticizing Ty or Xavier, but, you know, they've been spotty. I mean, each of them has shown flashes, as I mentioned before, but not any consistency. And they're both sophomores, so that's the future as far as quarterback, unless there's someone in the program, a freshman that I'm not aware of who's considered a superstar or maybe somebody at the Naval Academy prep school. But, yeah, I mean, on the other hand, Chris, I mean, where, where is the season going? You're not going to a bowl. You know, you, you're not going to win the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. So, really, beating Army is the last major goal that Navy has. You're not – going to play in a conference championship game, um, you know, and this schedule, there's still really good teams on this schedule. You mentioned Cincinnati. That is going to be an incredibly tough ask to upset whatever they're going to be ranked by next week. Right now it's three. 
Cincinnati. Then you go to Tulsa, road game at Tulsa. Tulsa's pretty good. Guess what? Tulsa just beat Memphis. So there's no breaks. And then, oh, after that, you step out of conference and go to Notre Dame, South Bend, Indiana. Um, that would be a tough one as well. So there's not a lot of winnable games left on the schedule. You got East Carolina is a team that Navy has beaten fairly consistently in the past. Maybe that's a win at home. Um, you got Temple. I, you know, Temple's been up and down, but they, they've won some games. They beat Memphis too. So <laughs> it's not looking pretty for the rest of the season. And, you know, now is when we start talking about what's the future for the coaching staff. Really, I mean, I don't mean to bring that up, but it's true. When you – this will be three losing seasons in the last four, and this one could be ugly. Uh, the worst season pretty much since 2001 when Charlie Weatherby was here is looming possibly. So, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe we'll do something here over the second half of the season that will surprise us and lead us to have more optimism. But at, at the current – Point in the season, midway through, it's it's not looking very good. Ward? Yeah, so Chris, I, I'm not sure if your original question was player-facing or coach-facing. Um, just to jump on what Wags was saying in terms of the player piece, again, to break it down to its most empirical essence, to run the triple option, you need a quarterback. To run the Newberry defense, you need linebackers. So, um, again, Diego is one guy. He's tried to carry the team, and it's either injury or just uh, you know size of the uh, the offense that has made that less than optimum this year so far. Um, and then, as we're saying, neither Xavier nor Ty has been consistent with respect to running the triple option. My sense originally was that with respect to Ty, he hadn't had enough snaps, and we if you give him confidence, then this was after the UCF game. Um, you know, if you give him enough snaps, then he will perform. And it starts to look like, um, you know, the triple option that is a, a Niamatololo triple option, which is that secondary surge, the right reads, the dives gain four yards per carry, and you're eating clock and you're, you're creating production. And then to Wags's point earlier, then we just go three and out and, and we get net loss yardage on a possession and it just lays flat. And so um, the player piece, as Wags said, I don't know what we're looking like in terms of who's at naps and who do we have in the queue at those key positions. I don't know. Now, break, break. Over to your question with respect to coaches. So as a fan, I'm just going to suggest because we just went through the coaching staff shakeup trauma, and I thought we'd created wellness as a function of that. And I thought Chet had netted out as kind of sage with respect to how he pressurized the grid, and it netted a victory against UCF. Now, in the wake of that, where it looks like we're back to some level of chaos again, then maybe. We're going to have to assess that, but don't do it mid-season, right? We hold what you got and just try to keep the team upbeat and everybody doing their jobs. And then at the end of the season, once we sing Navy Blue and Gold, hopefully second up in New York, 
then we start to assess how do we get back into a bull caliber team and a better record in the AAC, et cetera. So in terms of what should a fan do, Chris, right now, support the team, show up to the games, stay for the duration, and uh, let, let's, uh, let's, let's keep going um, with the idea that uh, we're in damage control mode here. I, I hope this isn't – well, I, do the math, though. Uh, this could well be uh, the, the Weatherby final year. Um, yeah, although we won one game and remember the last year Weatherby was here, we won zero games. That was my last year on active duty, by the way, I was teaching at the Academy. Um, and I remember that well, like I said, I, I believe that the, the best thing for everyone to do here is to, to understand that they keep playing better. Um, the first drive of the game, as Chris alluded to was a great sign that we can do that, that we can own the time of possession, that we can own the style of play that we can hold a high-powered quarterback like Seth Hennigan to only 215 yards. Uh, so let's let's string it together next game. Um, let's pivot because, you know, one of the most important events coming up this coming weekend is the Army-Navy game between Navy and women's soccer, 7 p.m. on Saturday at Glen Warner. Um, and what we're going to do is have a conversation with Navy firsty Victoria Tran, midfielder extraordinaire, um, absolutely made a defender look silly the other day at American in a very big 2-0 win. Uh, and we're going to talk to Coach Karen Guevara um, about this coming star game, another chance for us to climb up the Patriot League standings and to beat our arch rivals. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Thanks again for joining our Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis post-game podcast. If you're looking for more in-depth coverage of Navy football, check out Bill Wagner, Keenan Reynolds, and Eric Catani on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V, Believe. They do a recap show that looks just at the week that was in Navy football. And then they do a pod later in the week that looks ahead at the upcoming game. You can find that podcast and it's called Believe in Navy Football, B-L-E-A-V in Navy Football. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. So in addition to Sing Second Sports, check out Believe in Navy Football. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, we are back and it's time for our athlete segment. Um, and this is a great segment because it's athlete and coach coming off of an outstanding victory uh, last night down in Washington, D.C. at American U. Uh, both Navy and American were tied in the standings. It was really a must win game. Uh, and Navy went in there yesterday afternoon to what I think is the worst pitch in the Patriot League. But that's just me. Um, they went in there, got a 2-0 win, a brace from Riddle, and another clean sheet. And here we are. We're right where we want to be with three big games on the schedule. So joining us to talk about the next big game, which is the biggest, the star match against Army Saturday night at 7 p.m., Victoria Tran and Coach Karen Gabera. First of all, uh, Victoria, great game last night. You, you were just dominant in the midfield. I tweeted at one point, you had just a filthy turn. Uh, right in the center of the field where he kind of did like the step over and pirouette and just made made the American defender look foolish. Talk to me about where you are so far in the season. A little, a little hiccup to start the Patriot League season. Now on a good glide slope with a couple of wins and some very winnable games on the horizon. But 
really, you're just thinking about Army probably, right? So where, where's your head at right now? Yeah, I think leading up to leading up to this week, we knew with two games, one in midweek, we had to get everyone's focus on winning one game at a time. Um, obviously, everyone can't help but think about Army and, and the conclusion of this week. So now that we've got the result on American, everything's all gung-ho for Army week. Um, we're all really, really excited. I think the win on the win last night was like a really big thing for us. Uh, good momentum building up to another big game. So I know you don't keep track of this, um, but what is your personal record against Army, including the Patriot League uh, matchup from a little while ago? Uh, well, I have a pretty good reminder from this NSTAR sweater. So <laughs> right now we got Cleave year a win, uh, Youngster year a win. Unfortunately, we didn't get to play them last year, but I don't know. I feel like this this year, this game will count for two stars for me, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> What I am so impressed about with your game is your handle in the midfield. You know, whether whether you're going out to the to the wings or whether you're just kind of that possessing center mid, you know, your your handle on the ball is so impressive. And and I was trying to think of, you know, a comparison to players from years past, and maybe Karen will be able to answer that. But it, it is that, in your opinion, your strongest facet of, of your personal game is how well you possess the ball and even make defenders look silly trying to get it from you. Or do you fa fancy yourself more of a distributor and, and just coalescer out there? My game has evolved, um, and I'm, I'm very much an, a proponent of being a team player. Like, you do what you need to do, and you alter your playing style um, to help the team succeed. So before Wags jumps in, Karen, I'm going to go to you. You know, what, what has Victoria's leadership meant this year to you, and, and where is your head at in terms of Saturday night's matchup? How do we make sure that there's one more star uh, on Victoria's letter sweater there? Well, it's interesting. You asked Vic what her strengths are, and I'd be hard to, I'd have a hard time defining those as well, because rarely do you have players that are so strong on both sides of the ball. Usually a strength lies in one or the other. Um, but with Vic, that's, that's not the case. She's, you know, you said her strength lies in her distribution and her attacking side, where I feel like her biggest strength is her defending. Um, she's a ball winner. She's all over the place. She's fit. She moves. She's her transitional game's phenomenal. So uh, at the moment of transition, whether we're going from attacking to defending or defending to attacking, she's there and she never gives up and she'll win the ball back or, 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 or change and get into attack quickly. So um, she's really does not have a weakness to her game. So uh, her leadership is invaluable because Vic is phenomenal in the classroom. Vic is phenomenal in the, in the hall. Vic is phenomenal on the athletic fields, not just in games, but games and training sessions. So there isn't a part of, you know, the mission of the Naval Academy that she hasn't excelled at. So, um, you know, often when we're talking about looking up to players or mentors, or if anybody needs to talk to someone in any capacity, Vic's name will come up because she's also a very caring person who is easy to approach and will help anyone and listen to anyone. Her listening skills are, are super good. They're better than her talking. So um, she'll listen to people. And so she's a really good teammate and friend. So um, moving on to army, you know, it's, it, we had some, some, as you call them hiccups earlier in the season, we really needed to take a step back and start to focus one game at a time. Um, you know, the last two seasons we've been on top of, of the table in conference and this year uh, we didn't start there, which is okay. You know, I like the fact that now we're catching up a bit and a little bit of the pressure is off um, so far as, as to being on the top of the table. So, 
Uh, we've taken one game at a time. So it was really hard for us as a coaching staff this week to assure our players were focused on the American game, having Army on the Saturday of the same week. Uh, American game is always difficult for us being a travel partner. We play midweek this year on the road during school. It's always a day game because they don't have lights, so they don't have the capability of night games. Um, so it's really hard to focus and they were great. I could tell from the bus ride that they were ready to play yesterday. And, you know, I think scoring a goal in the first couple of minutes, um, is a tribute to the senior leadership and the fact that they flipped the switch and made sure we were ready for that game. So Saturday, big game, big game for Navy women's soccer, big game for the Naval Academy, big game for Naval and Marine Corps officers all over the world, especially those uh, affiliated with our program. And we just had a, uh, an alumni weekend last weekend. So I think the players are, are, are well aware of what this game means to our program and to all those that played before us and to all those out there serving our country. Well, I find it interesting that the men have been playing this neutral site game with Army for many years now. Um, we kind of had a little bit of a debate about that because, I, I mean, it's fun a couple times, but I mean, I, there's just something to, about Army-Navy on campus, whether it be West Point or Annapolis, that makes it really special. What's your thought on that? And have you all ever been approached about doing a neutral site women's soccer Army-Navy? I'll hop on that because I'm not sure Vic has the answer to that. Uh, yes, we were asked if we wanted to do the same thing and have a doubleheader with them in Philly. Um, but I this is the most memorable game of our players' careers every single year. Um, you could tell by the emotion in Vic's voice that she didn't get to play this game last year because of COVID and our reduced schedule. So it's really important. Um, but what I love the best is, is the fan base and the home and home series. So, you know, it's really hard to win at Army. And, and it's, you know, for us, we're so appreciative of the fans and the community that come out to our game. So, um, I think the, the best atmosphere for us is playing at, you know, at the Naval Academy and at West Point. So, Victoria, tell me how excited you are for this, this Army-Navy, knowing that you won't experience it again. I mean, it's just there's nothing like it. And I imagine the butterflies are so there's no way not to be nervous before Army-Navy. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I'm never going to be able to play um, against Army again. And I think, you know, like I said earlier, Last year, not being able to play them. Um, I mean, last year it was a check for everyone. I think everyone realized how grateful they were for little things. Um, for me, I realized how grateful I was for the sport. Um, and this year is going to be, again, a makeup for last year and also kind of a, a good way to close the book um, on a great four years here at Navy Soccer. So for both of you, what's the key to beating Army? Uh, we, when we talked to Coach OD, he says that Army likes to muck it up and you know, the, 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 one of the issues with Navy over the last few years with Army is the kind of the style of play that they were able to implement in those games. What is Army all about, women's soccer-wise, and what's the key to beating them for both Victoria and Karen to answer on that? I'll go first, Vic. Um, you know, it's an interesting game because no matter what the success of each team has been up until the game, it doesn't matter. It's always a, it's always a really good game. It's got a lot of emotion attached to it. Uh, the fan base we get at both schools is phenomenal. So for us, it's really for us to settle in and play our, our brand of soccer. Um, you know, our players know how to play possession. Our players know how to play a little bit longer. They have the composure. We know how to defend with a little bit of a passion. So we've got all the pieces and, 
um, a lot of talent. So we just got to settle in and play our type of soccer and not get caught in by some of the motion that the game brings. 100% I agree with Coach Karen. Um, I think, well, we're going to have our scout on Friday, so I'll figure out exactly what tactically we need to do. But um, the focus piece is going to be a big one um, with all the, you know, I mean, it's Army Week. So with all the festivities or events that might be happening um, in preparation for that game, we need to be, we need to be grounded. Um, I think another thing that we need to work on um, in preparation for this game is to really just, it is Army but we need to focus on ourselves too. Uh, we can't make the game all about them. So Karen, kind of tell me where you feel Navy women's soccer is at the moment, because you have played well of late. Like you said, a couple hiccups early in conference play, but I think you're like one, three wins and a tie here in the last four games, if I'm correct. What, just where are you and what, what has the team done to improve? You mentioned earlier that you took a step back and regrouped and it clearly has worked. I think we're in a really good spot, Wags. We, uh, you know, hiccups, it's it's a sport. You're never going to win every game. And certainly for us, having two conference championships the last two years, it's really hard to maintain that kind of status. So we're going to have some ups and downs, but it's how we respond. And uh, these kids, these players always hold themselves accountable. So we did some video. We saw some of the things we're doing wrong. We have We have a lot of young players. We have a really big freshman class and a pretty big sophomore class. So you really have to integrate all those players um, and our senior leadership has to take over. So I also think it was a it was a pretty hard transition for us to play last spring and then have all of the Navy working and, and, and different things that our players have to do over the summer and then come right back into a fall season. So there wasn't a lot of downtime for our players. Um, so I think we're at the right spot right now. I think everyone's very motivated. I think we've been playing very deep. So a lot of players are getting minutes and really helping energize and give our team a lot of emotional boost. And I think that we're ready to take on Army and then move past it. Thanks, Wag. So I'll, I'll uh, end it here asking Victoria just one question. So we're less than a month away from those envelopes being distributed in the company uh, wardrooms. What are you hoping yours says? Well, I'm lucky. Uh, I've actually earned selected submarines. So I knew oh. end of last oh. year. Yeah, so I know what my envelope will say. But I, I'm super excited and super stoked to cheer on my classmates as they get theirs. Well, then the most important question after that is, have you already received, like, the bonus? Oh, yeah, 100%. I actually, so they actually <laughs> had a backup um, on the paperwork regarding that because of, you know, because of COVID. So I was kind of... the Navy, yeah. Yeah, I was watching my inbox just waiting. <laughs> but it did finally come in. There you go. It, I know this is an audio medium, but she is smiling ear to ear. So where do you kids study your STEM out there and get a submarine slot? Karen, thank you so much. Good luck on Saturday. We'll be there. Um, you know, we'll talk to you before the game. We'll be rooting throughout the game. And Victoria, as always, thank you for making time during a busy class schedule and good luck on Saturday. Beat Army. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. We are done here on the Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis postgame report. Um, awesome discussion about uh, the Memphis game again, you know, tough loss, but let's turn around and, and give a good showing against a number three ranked team. Um, great conversation with Victoria Tran and Karen Gabera. And again, please come out and see uh, Navy women's soccer against Army 7 p.m. on Saturday there at Glenn Warner. Um, for Ward Carroll, the co-host, Bill Wagner, as always, great to have him on as a special guest for his insight. 
and Chris Cervello. I am John Schofield. Enjoy this pod. I know we did. We will see you next week. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.